All right, well, open your hearts. Get ready to hear the words of life through our pastor. Good evening. Are you like the psalmist who said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord? Now, you all know what makes, uh, makes this the house of the Lord, right? It's the corporate gathering of the body coming to worship the Lord. But you are the temple, right, of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, as each of you come in, you're bringing the Lord with you. So, since we're in the house of the Lord... And Jesus said where two or three are gathered together, we can expect that he's going to be right there in the midst. So we can expect life-changing encounters with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords tonight. Before I get into the sermon, I want to do a few things first. Um, We just finished up our home groups, the season. Uh, Soon we'll start another, but that's not just yet. And uh, this last season of home groups were prayer meetings, and we had a short teaching on prayer, and then we spent time together praying, and praying very specific things, not just general prayers. You know, I've found in my life that the more, spe- uh, more exact I pray, the more exact answers I get. Like one guy said, he said, um, because, you know, some people don't believe in the power of prayer. They just think it's a coincidence that you got that answer. And the one guy said, well, I find that the more I pray, the more coincidences I experience. And so uh, we've had many answers to prayer. We kind of would often share our uh, answers to things that we had prayed during the week when we would come back together. But this last week, Karen Salee shared a testimony about, um, well, I asked her, I said, would you share that with everyone else? It'll just encourage everybody. So Karen, if you could come and uh, hold the mic and look at everyone, tell us about the good thing the Lord did for you. Hi, everyone. So um, about four to five years ago, we had this little cat show up in our backyard. We have woods in the back. And he showed up on our windowsill in the kitchen and was looking in the window for months. He was there in the rain. He was there at 5 in the morning. He was there at 11 o'clock at night. And I don't know where he came from. I don't know what his story is. So we decided we had one cat that just passed away. So we decided, well we can uh, maybe bring him in. So I tricked him, grabbed him, and put him in, and quickly realized that this cat was feral, or didn't have a family, or was traumatized or something. He stayed in the kitchen in one spot for a month. Scott dropped a plate once. It took a whole month for him to even come back near us again. And... Finally, he ended up just hiding under sofas and behind sofas, and I could not touch him. We could not cuddle him. We could not play with him. I would literally take his food bowl and slide it behind the sofa so that he could eat it. (laughs) So anyway, this started to really bug me. And over time, I started speaking to the cat, and we named him Oliver. His name is Oliver. So I started saying many things. Um, Just when I would think about it, when I was around him, when he was anywhere in the room, I would say things like, um, I would say, Oliver, I have dominion over you, and in the name of Jesus, you come in my lap. And I said, you love to be loved. You love to be snuggled. 
and I would say, Lord, I thank you that your spirit is quickening his mind, his will, his, his relationships, his emotions, and that all trauma is broken off of his life. Um, this went on for quite a while. Suddenly, on December 21st, Scott and I were watching TV, and Oliver jumped in my lap. And he has not left. He has not left. I mean, anytime you see me sitting, he is cuddled in my lap. He runs, he jumps into my lap. He's playing with toys. He's playing with other cats. That, that picture was taken uh, about 30 seconds after he jumped in my lap. And you could see my face, I didn't want to even move. <laughs> but anyway, I just want to encourage you, when you don't see anything working, when you're speaking the word, something is going on. And you don't realize it, and it's coming. Oh, and I have to add this. Um, in the fall, Oliver's vet wanted to give him a prescription drug to try to help him. It's Kitty Prozac. It literally is like an antidepressant. It's Kitty Prozac. And I've had a cat on it before, and it did make a big difference, but it takes like 12 weeks. So Scott, Scott really wanted me to give it to him. I wanted to try to give it to him. And I did it for less than a week, and every time I gave him that dose, I had such a uh, not peace. It was just a check from the Holy Spirit. And I kept thinking, I tried to reason it in my head. I'm like, this is going to help him. There's no reason why I shouldn't give it to him. I give it to him again. Check again. So finally I said to Scott, I said, honey, I'm just not giving it to him. I, I just stopped it cold turkey. I checked with the vet. I didn't have to wean him off. I just stopped it. And I truly believe the Holy Spirit was protecting that miracle because he knew that it was right around the corner. So if you have a check, it's not necessarily for a bad thing. It could be for a good thing. And I would have been in the natural, and I would have, it still would have been a miracle to me, but I would have attributed it more to the medication, knowing that that would work, than it was just the power of God's word. Thank you. If the Lord sees and cares about a sparrow, I guess he sees and cares about cats, right? But the amazing thing is, is that never would have happened if she hadn't exercised the word, put the word to work. You know, you have dominion over your household. You have dominion over your pets, your animals, over your family. And so exercise what's been given to you rather than just letting things happen. Right, that right there is worth, uh, worth you coming out tonight and being encouraged in. Eric, why don't you come? Many of you, I gave a end-of-year giving report uh, for your taxes as you came in the door tonight. And inside of that envelope is your report. But there's also a little booklet in there that you'll find. And it's a booklet of the declarations of two weeks ago. Um, I made a few modifications to it. As, as I'm prone to do when I look at something again, and well, I'd like to do it a little bit different, you know, that kind of thing. But um, it's a booklet, and um, I hope you'll be blessed by it, and I want to encourage you that that book won't do you any good if you don't use it. All right, so uh, take it and, and use it and exercise it, and maybe tonight we'll declare some things out again as well. All right, open your Bible with me if you would to, well, where are we going to go? Why don't, why don't you turn to Romans 10 and put up on the screen for us in the New King James, uh, Job 22, verse 28. 
I want to, you know, the most powerful tool of victory that has been given to the body of Christ in the earth today is probably the least used tool as well. And if you look at your neighbor, each person has this tool available to them. And if you'll look to the left or right at your neighbor, they have this tool located about an inch below their nose. For some people it's a little more, some people maybe a little less. But it's there in the front of their face, and it's their mouth, right? And this, the, our mouth is a tool that God has given to us that everything depends on that and upon your use of it. And you say, well, why, could, why would I put such a strong blanket statement on, on that? Because your salvation depends upon the use of your mouth. And I'll read scripture to you in a moment in Romans 10 about that. But before we do that, in Job, uh, Job 22 and verse 28, it says, You will also declare a thing. Now notice it does not say you will think a thing. Many of the new translations say you will uh, decide something and it will be done for you. Um, which that's good, because before we declare something, we usually decide it, but that's not a direct translation of what was written. Uh, the mo most literal translations say, decree or declare. You will declare a thing, and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. Now this hole in the front of your face that we call a mouth, it ought to be utilized for your benefit, for your victory, for you to accomplish and overcome things. But in order for it to really carry the supernatural strength that it was created to carry is when we speak what God says, right? I mean, this is in a nutshell what the sermon is tonight right here, is what are you saying? Are you saying what God says about you, about your situation? Are you saying what you have, right? Because a lot of people just do that. They just talk the complaint, the problem, the problem, the problem. They say what they have. Rather, did you know that you can have what you say? You can lay hold of what you say. Most people, everyone has what they We have what we say, but you can change what you say and make sure you have something different. Okay, so you will also declare a thing. Well, there's many things declared in the world, but those that carry supernatural results is when you say something that God has said. It says you will declare a thing and it will be established for you. It will be established for you. It doesn't say if you would like something done, it might happen. If you desire it enough, it'll happen. If you wish it were so, if you pray about a thing, it will be established. It doesn't say that. In fact, we go all the way forward to Mark 11, verses 22, 3, and 4, where Jesus is talking about the mountain, and he says, you know, if you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say, you will have whatever you say. He didn't say if you think it, if you wish it, if you'd like it to be so. He didn't say, if you need this mountain removed, pray and ask the Lord and He'll remove it for you. Now we have other scriptures that would tell us that would be another way you could go about it. But Jesus said, say 
open your mouth, open up your victory hole in the front of your face, and speak it out. Because you're either going to have defeat or victory based on what comes out of your face, your mouth, your tongue. Let's, let's personalize it. These declarations that are in these booklets and that we went over, what they are is they're scriptures that are just personalized and applied to oneself. So for example, put that scripture back up on the uh, screen that we had up there in the New King James. So for example, um, I like to read through the Psalms and personal because the Psalms are really easy to do that with and just personalize it. Some, sometimes it's easy because that's the way the psalmist wrote it. I, me, I, you, I, you. Whereas some promises aren't that way. But here, here's how you, how you personalize something and declare a thing. So instead of just reading it, you will also declare a thing and you will, it will be established for you so light will shine on your ways. You make it personal. You say, I will also declare a thing and it will be established for me. So light will shine on my ways. That's how you personalize Scripture. That's how you take what God said and make it your own. Right? So let's just do that. Let's personalize this. I will also declare a thing, and it will be established for me. So light will shine on my ways. I will declare a thing. Not waiting for someone else to do it. I will declare a thing, and it will be established for me. And light, light. We are called to be the light of the earth. Salt and light. And light will shine on my ways. Not darkness, not difficult times, not hard times. Now, we've been promised difficult and hard times. But the deal is, is we have the light. We are the light. We have the light within us. Jesus made that, that great statement. He said, I am the light of the world. But then he changed it and he said, you are the light of the world. So we are carrying a light. Proverbs 6 says this, it says, You have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. Now, if you're of the persuasion that Psalms and Proverbs and is poetry, well, that's fine. Maybe it rhymes in the original language, doesn't so much in English. But it's much more than poetry. It's the most powerful poetry you'll ever read in your entire life. Because it is God-inspired, God-breathed poetry or songs. Psalms are songs, right? They used to sing the, the, the psalms. And so you can still do that today. I like to sing the psalms. I like, I'll just put them to a tune that I know of a different song, right? And, and sing the psalm. And so um, here in Proverbs, this isn't just nice-sounding poetry or something that um, they needed to fill up a book, right? But this is actual truth. This is something that will change your life if you'll take a hold of it. And he says that our words can trap us and that we're ensnared by the words of our mouth. Uh, another one in Proverbs 18, 7 says, A fool's mouth is his devastation and his lips are a trap for his life. A fool's mouth is that, not the wise person's mouth. Now someone here say, I am wise, I am wise. In, the Lord. in the Lord. Well, you are because... If Jesus lives in you, it says he was made wisdom for us. Wisdom, righteousness. and Just as you are righteous, you are also wise in him if you lay hold of it. Just because you're righteous in him doesn't mean you walk righteous, right? Because you can go be a heathen and, and say that you're righteous and that doesn't mean anything. 
It's going to have also a walk that goes with it, just like wisdom does. You can say I'm wise, but if you're going to go out and act the fool and not care about wisdom, well, that doesn't apply to you either. You have to walk in it. See, we lay hold of it by faith. We speak it out of our mouth as part of our action, but then we walk in it. And the amazing thing is, in 1 John, he says that, you know, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you find out, you know what, I've been the fool, there's a quick fix for it. Is you repent. Repent means you turn. You change directions. It doesn't mean you cry and gnash your teeth and say, woe is me and I'm undone and all that stuff. I mean, you can if that makes you feel better. But what the Lord's looking for is you to walk a different way. That's what impresses him, not your remorse. Amen? Y'all look at me like, mm, I don't know. Oh, you can feel bad if it makes you feel better. That was an old country song, I think. <laughs> but then here's the good side of it. In Proverbs 12, he says, the mouth of the upright will deliver them. The mouth of the upright rescues them. The mouth of the wise, of the righteous, of the upright, the mouth of the person who's in sync with the Lord and has... has listen to him and has spent time in his presence and talks like he talks and acts like he acts, that person's mouth will deliver them from the darkness and from the things that come and try to entangle us. See, what you say, actually tell your neighbor this, what you say is a big deal. Yeah, what you say matters a lot. What you say matters. I remember that uh, the first time I got light on this subject, I didn't believe it at all. This was the funny part. It's because we were playing a board game. How many of you know the game Cash Flow? It's a rich dad, poor dad game. And, and um, so shortly after we were married, some friends of ours were sitting at our table with us and were teaching us the game. And so we're playing the game and, and there's cards, you know, that you can draw depending on which space you land on. And, and on the cards are opportunities, opportunities to invest in stocks or buy houses or, or whatever, right? And so um, one of the cards, you know, there's, there's many different stocks you can buy in this stack of cards. And, and so on a, any particular stock, we'll just say Walmart, right, a stock that everyone recognizes. If you picked up that card, and it would say that you can buy their stock for the stock trading range is, you know, um, $10 to $50, but today you can buy it for $5 or $1, right? That's a, that's a really good deal. And so you buy as much as you can, and then you hope to draw another card later when you land on a space again that lets you draw a card that says you get to sell it for, you're hoping for top dollar, you know, $50. Well, once in a while, there'll actually be a card in there that's more than the trading range, you know, $60 or whatever the numbers are. Numbers and names are irrelevant right now. The point that I'm making is we're sitting there playing this game, and uh, I draw a card, and um, it's one of these cards that I can buy it for a dollar, like the cheapest basement price. And so I buy a bunch, and my friend is sitting there, and he tells me that, you know, your words, because I, was sa I said, because see, I thought I had terrible luck. Today, I don't believe in luck at all. I believe in being blessed in favor, and I believe there's also something like chance, okay? That happens. However, for me, I said, well, with my luck, I'll probably draw the one that says it's a reverse stock split. You know, you can actually draw a card that um, doubles the amount you hold. Or you can draw a card that takes it in half. And I said, 
I said, uh, you know, with my luck, I'll probably draw a card that takes half of it away. And he says, well, you can have what you say. You know, your words will work for you. And I said, yeah, right. And he said, they do. You, don't you believe the Bible? Now, he was a good Mennonite. I was a good Mennonite. And um, we both claimed to believe the Bible and that we were doers of the word. And I said, well, of course. He said, well, the Bible says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that. So you're trying to tell me that if I say the next card I draw is going to be for the top dollar, that, that's the one I'll draw. Well, if you say so. I said, all right, I'll show you it doesn't work that way. The next card I draw is going to be for the top dollar. So my turn comes around, I, dr I go, go throw the dice, I move my spaces. Oops, I land on a space that I can draw, draw, and it's exactly what I had said. And I'm like... That was just an accident. That wasn't that way. And we all laughed and had a good laugh about it, right? And, um, but it got me to thinking. I'm like, wow, that was... Because there was something on the inside that was like, you should look at this a little closer. Because I was just dismissive of it entirely, right? And so through the years as we, as we started to grow spiritually and grow in maturity and and understanding the word, I begin to see that our words carry significant power. And I began to see that what we say about ourselves, it comes true. And when we lay our words out in front of us, it'll come to pass. Even if you're a complete heathen and don't even believe in God, your words will work for you. Or if you believe what someone else says about you, it'll be true. Like, for example, I mean, I, I remember telling people, me, people telling me when I was a young man that you'll never amount to anything. Man, I struggled with believing that. And I had to, I had to reject those things. And I remember saying, I didn't even understand the power of my words and all of that, but I just knew I felt better when I walked away and said, well, that's not true. I'll show you. That's not true. I will never live the way I grew up. And I was talking about finances in particular because we, would, we were, I was a widow's son and we many times didn't know where our next meal was coming from. So, um, I mean, we were blessed. There was people around us that took, we never went hungry. But I'm just saying there was a lot of lack in my life financially and I never wanted to live that way again. And when people would tell me that, well, if you don't change your ways, you're not going to amount to anything. Or you're going to be just like this shiftless person. Or man, that, that, would, that was like an arrow to my heart. But I found that when I walked away and I said something different, I felt better about it. I'll have the last say. Didn't realize I was actually putting my words to work for me. I was just being rebellious, you know. I'm not going to listen to that. And, and as time went on, I began to realize the importance of what we we say now thank god he sends he sends someone across my path um pastor dale armstrong and i begin to listen to his teachings and he teaching about the power of our words and all of this is brand new to me and and man i drank it all the whole barrel and then some ordered another one right i mean this was manna to me at that time and so uh, i remember him teaching in, in particular, him saying that 
uh, they used to have bad confessions and this is how they cured themselves. So Jan and I, we implemented the strategy in our household and with each other. So whenever one of us would say something that we obviously did not mean or want to come true, the other one would say, I believe every word of that confession will come to pass in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, whoever said the negative confession, whatever it was, you know, stupid things like, man, these shoes are killing me. Oh, I believe every word of that confession will come to pass in the name of Jesus, amen. And the other person right away would be like, no, 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 cancel. And we became aware of the words that we were speaking out and realizing how much of our words were either completely useless or they were words of death that were either going to work against us or if we simply did not believe them and have any faith in those words, they were still... Think of your words this way. Your words are containers. And they're either... They're capsules. Think of a pill capsule. And they either carry substance of life in them, those containers, or they carry death in them, or they, they're just empty capsules, nothing in them, useless, pointless. And Jesus talked about all three, and I don't think we'll get there tonight, but... Maybe in another sermon we can, we can discuss those three kinds of declarations. But my point is, is that helped bring us to a place of awareness of what are the words that we're speaking, what are we saying, and do we believe what we say? What if suddenly there was a bright flash of light? Everyone's like, and then the light begins to fade, and standing up here you see Jesus. Holes in his hands, feet, Jesus. White, dazzling robe. And he says, My brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you tonight that from this moment forward, starting right now, everything you say will happen exactly like you say it. How would we change the things we say or don't say? How deliberate would we suddenly be in what we're saying? And yet, we say, well, we would believe that kind of demonstration. Well, he, he told us that here many times, that our words carry the power of life and death. We'll read that scripture in a little bit. What I want to do before we go there is, let, if you found Romans 10 in your Bible, I'm going to begin reading in verse 4. It says, For Christ is the end, or the completion of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, believing is the important part, Okay. It does not, you do not qualify for the end of the law if you do not believe. You're still under the law or the curse of the law if you're not a believer. In fact, in Galatians it says we've been redeemed from the curse of the law because Jesus redeemed us and became a curse for us. Right? So He is the one that fulfilled the law and now we're under a new and better covenant. So the believing, it is the believing person and the person who speaks in faith that gets, gets the good results. In verse 5, since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. The one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith, righteousness that comes from faith, it thinks like this. The righteousness that comes from faith speaks. Not thinks, speaks. Righteousness that comes from what? Faith. Faith speaks. Faith speaks. And so he's saying... Like this, do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven or who will bring Christ down or, or who will go down in the abyss and that is bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? Still referring to what does faith speak? 
The message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Everyone say mouth and heart. So the message of faith is in your mouth and comes from your heart. Okay? From your heart. In fact, one of the things, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but it came to my memory right now, and I rely on the Lord to bring things to my memory so that I tell them to you at the right time so they don't always come out like I have it in my notes. Is, you know, I've, one of the things that I've taught you is that we, you're, in order for your words to work, you have to believe them. And they have to, you have to be grounded in the will of the Lord. So if you say, you know, you can say, well, I'm a pink dinosaur. Does that make you a pink dinosaur? No. First of all, you can't believe that because God didn't say it. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. So it's impossible to have faith that you're a pink dinosaur if, if God didn't tell you that you're a pink dinosaur. Okay? And if he said you're a pink dinosaur, then I, begin, I suppose you'd begin to look like one. But you can begin to, if, just because you speak it out doesn't make it so, especially when it's, it's not a faith-filled confession. It's not speaking from a heart of faith. You're just saying it so because you'd like it to be so, not because you actually believe it's so. And there's a difference. Um, and I'll just side note right here. You know, anytime that you hear the phrase, I identify as... This is what you're actually hearing. I'm pretending to be. Okay? I identify as a man or as a woman or as an animal. No, you're pretending to be that. Okay? No amount of your words will ever make you that if that's not what you were born. Okay? No amount of pretending. You can have all the surgeries you want. And if you were a man and you want to be a woman, and you can have all the surgeries to wear any one of us looking at you would think you are a woman because you have all the right pieces and parts on the outside, that still doesn't make you a woman just because you look like one. You just put on a woman suit. But you're still a man on the inside. All right, I'm off into the bushes. Let's come back. So what I was saying was, so when we can't just speak out something and, and want it to be true, it has to be grounded. If it's going to have supernatural results, it has to be grounded in the supernatural, in the will of God, okay? Because then, otherwise it's just an empty, fruitless confession that you're making. Um, but so so what, I've, what I've taught you is that speak because you believe it. Don't speak because you're trying to convince yourself or convince God. And then last week, Dale said something important. He said there is a confession unto faith, and then there's a confession of faith. And there's a key difference, okay? There's, there's really, I would say there's three kinds of confessions. There's a confession of faith, or there's a confession then unto faith, which is it's coming to faith. And then there's a confession of wishfulness. Th- those are the three, right? And so normally I just talk about the first two, not the one in the middle of the confession unto faith. What I want to do is bring even more light to that. Think of, um, you know, when I, was, when I was growing up, we would go visit Amish relatives in Iowa sometimes, or even the Amish around us in Missouri. They would have um, the big hand pumps for, like, water, you know, with a windmill and a big creaky, squeaky pump handle that you work. And, and so you would grab the pump handle, and you would have to start, you know, giving it maybe six, seven, eight pumps before finally water would start gushing out 
of the pump. So you had to bring the water all the way from down in the well, all the way up, and now it begins to gush out. So think of it this way. You are that well. And pumping the handle is you beginning to speak. Is you opening your mouth and putting to action the tool that you have right here. You speaking. If there is nothing on the inside, if there's no water in the well, it doesn't matter how much racket you make, how fast you pump that thing, how many times it squeaks, how you could get five people on it really moving the handle really fast. And if there's no water, if there's nothing in the well, if there's no faith there, you're just working up a sweat for no reason. It's pointless. Right? There has to be something in the well if you're going to draw it out. And it's going to bear fruit. The fruit is the water. Right? And suddenly the water begins to gush out. And so when it's a confession unto faith, you believe the word. You know that I'm not really in faith for that yet. But, okay, let's put it this way. If that doorway over there in the corner to your right, under, under the exit sign there, if that, that doorway is me receiving what I say, me opening my mouth, even though I'm not there yet, but because I know that the Word is true, and I want to be there, and so I say, you know, I am the righteousness of the Lord. And even though, I'm like, man, how is that possible? But yes, He said it, so, so I'm believing it, so I am the righteousness of the Lord. And what is happening is I'm putting my words to work. It is moving me into a position of faith. I'm using my words to put myself to where I can receive from the Lord. But it doesn't do any good if I'm saying, yeah, I'm the righteousness of the Lord, but I'm completely off going the opposite direction and living like a heathen and just thinking that, you know what, God doesn't care. So a confession unto faith is opening the door for faith to come in. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. And so when it's a confession unto faith and you speak the Word of God, you are now hearing the Word of God, which brings faith. And if you are a believer, that ought to start to stir faith up in you. Let's say it a different way. Um, Pastor Dale read to us, Apostle Dale read to us out of Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, where it says, you know, this book of the law, you are to meditate on it day and night, you are to recite it, it should not depart from your mouth, or must not depart from your mouth. So, a confession, and then it says, and if you do this, then you will prosper in all the things you do. That murmur, or that muttering, or the murmuring, or the meditating, is the word used in the King James, that word means to murmur or to mutter it. means to speak it. Okay, As you speak it, it begins to stir on the inside of you and positions you, moves you into faith. Now, it's not guaranteed to because you have to believe it. Example. How many know that there's parrots that talk? A parrot will say anything you teach it to say, right? I mean, they'll cry like a baby, they'll make engine sounds, they'll slam doors, all kinds of sounds, whatever it hears, it mimics. So you can teach a parrot to say, Jesus is Lord. Now, is that parrot saved? Yeah, but he said, the confession of his mouth, right? No, he's not in faith for salvation. He doesn't even understand it. He doesn't even know what the words mean. He just knows that, ah, I can make these sounds. Jesus is Lord, right? All right, so are you a parrot or a believer? 
right? Are you just saying things that I know I'm supposed to say, but you really don't believe it? Now, if you're saying it to get into faith, that'd be the confession unto faith. If you, if you, because you know that if I put it in and I murmur it and I meditate it, it'll grow on the inside of me. Not to convince yourself, but to get you grounded in it. That's the difference. You're not trying to convince you. If you're trying to convince you, you need to back up a layer further and, and first believe that what he said is true and that I could have what he said. And then you begin to meditate and mutter and murmur the word and let it rise up in you. All right, so now we're back here in uh, verse 8. On the contrary, what does it say? In other words, faith that speaks. What does it say? It says the message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Well, a parrot can do that. And believe in your heart that God raised him from... A parrot can't do that. Right? Believe in their heart. So, but you can. A believer can. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. One confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Now, the faith confession is not trying to convince yourself the faith confession is you saying it because you believe it you saying it because you know it's true you're not looking at the outward things paul said you know we don't look at the outward things that are perishing but on the inward things he's looking at a greater truth the spiritual truth and declares things you know that's one of the things about god is you know, if you read the book of Genesis where he created the world, and um, he, I don't think God ever has to try to convince himself. Right? I mean, he was standing out there in that inky blackness, just in nothing. Him and Gabriel and Jesus. And they're standing there in the dark, and God says, man, it's dark out here. It's really dark out here. I mean, I can't see nothing. Yeah, I mean, like, it's so dark. I mean, I've never seen something so dark. This darkness is crazy. I mean, I can't even see my hand in front of my face. It's so dark. But what are we going to do, Gabriel? I mean, this blackness is like, you can feel this darkness. That's not what the conversation that took place at all, is it? I mean, you can read in Genesis 1, and he confronted the darkness with his words. And he said, light be. And then... This is the amazing part. There's no sun, there's no moon, there's no heavenly bodies like that. But the particle of light now is. And God is light. And, and the scientists today, they, there's this little particle that they call the God particle. And I just find that, that fascinating. They don't, they, they're more right than they realize. So he says, light be. He doesn't try to convince himself. He doesn't have to jumpstart it. He calls things in Romans 5, I believe it is, it says he calls things that be not as though they be. He calls things that don't exist as though they exist. Light, be. And there was light, is the next line. And he goes on creating and speaking and using his words. Now, here's the amazing thing. 
The Word tells us to be imitators of God. You find yourself in a dark, black situation. It may, may not even be of your own creation, of your own making. I mean, God wasn't the one that made all that black mess out there. Something else brought it to that point. And he came in with light B and started bringing order and creation and things happening. And so for you, if you find yourself in a dark place, it's time for you to open up your victory hole and begin saying how things are going to be. Look at verse 13 if you're still in Romans 10. For everyone, whoever may call on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Notice it says call. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. That's again, you're using your mouth. Now here's the important part that I wanted you to see in all of this. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. And then here again, everyone who calls with their mouth on the name of the Lord will be saved. God living in you is a direct result of you confessing that you believe that. It's a direct result of you saying something. See, your words result in your salvation. That's how important words are. And yet we've, we've lived in a culture that people have made fun of others who believe in the power of their words. See, your words are the difference between God living in you or not. 1 John 4.15 says, whoever confesses, that's, that's saying something, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. That's the difference between life and death right there, what you say with your mouth. Did you also know that your words are the keys to the kingdom? When Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say I am? And so they're saying different things. And then Peter says who he is. He has the revelation. He says, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus says to Peter, You know, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. So revelation, see, showed him something he couldn't know just in the natural. And then he says he makes an important, um, he makes an important distinction. In fact, uh, let's go there. Matthew 16 in Matthew 16, um, look, let's look in verse 17. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven did. Okay? And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, m- many people, and in fact, pretty much I think the whole Catholic church and, and other denominations, they think that Peter is the rock. But that's not what he's saying. He is saying the rock of revelation, of confession of who Christ is. The revelation of who Christ is. He's saying upon this rock of revelation of what Peter had just said, you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And um, he says, on this rock, your confession, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, is bound from heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is loosed from heaven. Whatever you bind, that's like major keys. Keys signify authority. Authority with your mouth. Authority with your, with your declaration, with the words that you say. And when he, if I say, I'm going to give you the keys to my house, 
that's giving you a certain authority to come into my house, right? Otherwise, I wouldn't give you the keys. I'd tell you to knock. You know, ring the doorbell. We'll open it for you. You're definitely welcome, but I didn't give you a key. If I give you keys, that means you have authority to drive that thing or come in the door. Use it. So we have the authority, and that authority is what we bind, what we loose. Do you bind and loose things by just thinking them? No, you speak it out. You declare it. Declare a thing and it will be established for you and light will shine on your way. What are you declaring? See, sometimes we just say things and, and we think that, well, n nobody's listening. Go to uh, Proverbs 18. Actually, go to, go to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. And I'll just read to you from Proverbs 18. Find Malachi 3 and then um, hold your finger there and just listen to what I'm reading to you. So in, in Proverbs 18, I'm going to read two verses to you. It says, From the fruit of a person's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is filled with the product of his lips. This word product means income. He is filled with the income of his lips. Now, the, the wise writer clarifies a little bit and brings more clarity to it. He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So the tongue has a certain power. Death and life are both in it. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The BBE translation says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those to whom it is dear will have its fruit for their food. Those to whom it is dear. See, if you scoff, is the blood of Jesus powerful? Yeah. A few of you, and the rest of you will do an altar call in a little bit, and you can experience it. <laughs> is the blood of Jesus powerful? Better. Yeah, it cleanses us from all sin and all unrighteousness if, if we believe it and accept it. Just because it's powerful, just because um, the name of Jesus has more authority and power than any other name that's named doesn't mean that it will benefit you if you do not believe it. If you don't love it. Okay? So if you love it, it will work for you. Same way with your mouth and the words that you speak. If you love it, it's going to work for you. If you don't love it and you scoff at it, yeah, your words are meaningless and pointless. But someday you're going to stand in front of the Father and you're going to have to give an account for your words. Why didn't you believe the most important tool that I gave you would work? I mean, I told you in this scripture, in this scripture, in this scripture, that this is what I said, and you just you, you disqualified it. You didn't believe that it actually carried life and death in it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are we saying? How are we using it? I must say it again louder for those in the back. What you say is a big deal. It's a big deal. And you understand I'm saying that first to me. 
I don't have any one of you in mind more than myself. My words carry so much weight. And the more that I exercise them and put them to use, the more I see it working in my life. The more I shape my words to be the Father's words and the things He has said to me, the more I see them working in my life. It doesn't always happen overnight or instantly, like when the Father said, light be, and there was instantly light. But sometimes our words will work for us if we just lay them out in front of us and believe them and allow them to continually activate and work. You know, for example, you can make declarations about a cat for weeks and months. And those words are working and working like in the testimony that Karen shared. And then one day you'll see it come to pass. But there was a process of time from the time you began to lay that, put that word into action and the time that you actually saw it now fulfilled. So don't give up just because you've said something, especially if you're saying God's words and you didn't see it happen immediately. Did you find Malachi? Alright, in chapter 3, in verse 16, at that time, Verse 16, at that time, those who feared, now, um, backstory is he just got done chiding them for the things they were saying about God, about him. You guys say that, you know, you're serving me, but to no purpose. And you guys say that the heathen are all blessed and prospering. And you guys are, your words are harsh against me, he says. But then, after this, this rebuke, They must have repented, at least some of them. It says, at that time, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. They did what? They spoke. They didn't just think, okay, I'm going to do different. No, they opened their mouth and they created. They spoke. They spoke to one another. The Lord took notice and listened. The Lord took notice and listened. You know, in 2008, between Christmas and New Year's, I wasn't spirit-filled at that time. I didn't know anything about that. And um, I had uh, never heard the name Dale Armstrong in my life before. Didn't know who that was. And I sure shooting wasn't ever going to move to Pennsylvania because I liked Colorado. And, um, but we were in Ohio at the moment for Christmas and New Year's with Jen's family. And I borrowed a car late one evening to drive into the grocery store to get something for her and the babies. And I borrowed my brother-in-law's minivan. And I get in and hit the radio button, and uh, at that time I didn't listen to any kind of uh, Christian music. I only listened to secular music. And I hit the radio button, and some guy's preaching, and he's telling, I was just instantly captivated. He's telling these stories about miracles that he's seen, and, and he's traveling all over Russia, and he's ministering, and, and keeps talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I don't know what he's talking about, but yeah. And uh, he keeps going on telling his testimony, and then he tells his story about how um, his pastor, when he was 16 years old, uh, blasphemed the Holy Ghost from the pulpit, and then said, I'll preach more in this next week. And he walks down the aisle and falls over dead at this young man's feet. And it was the kind of story that went, I've never heard another story like that other than from Dale. Has any, have any of you heard a story like that? No, okay, it's very unique, right? So when you hear it the second time, you're like, wait a minute, I heard that one before. Well, I get to the grocery store, and I'm just sitting there listening to this, which is rather surprising to me, because when would I just sit in the car and listen to the sermon? 
And I'm just captivated and listening to this, and he's going on and on and on. And the DJ comes on and interviews him a little bit. And, um, and then the program, go, he doesn't say his name. The program just goes on into, like, uh, you know, with another music or whatever else he was, the DJ was doing. And I get out of the car. Now, I'll give you the end of the story before I go further. So the end of the story is that was Dale. Um, this was 2008. He had not been on the radio since 1987. Okay? So the Lord either had his own channel that night that I clicked on to, and, um, or you know someone played reruns. Uh, I personally think that the Lord did a supernatural thing and just had, had me hear something. And so I get out of the car, and this is what I say. I say, Lord, I, well, I said it to myself and to the Lord just out loud. I said, man, if I could be used like that guy is of the Lord, that's what I would want. And I go into the grocery store. Now, I was, I was so captivated that I was thinking, maybe I could call the radio station tomorrow and ask them at this time last night, who was that that you had on and get his name because I'd like to go online and find this guy and listen to more of his stuff. And um, that, that's what I'm thinking, right? So I go in, I get the things, I go back to the house and I tell Jen about it. That, wow, you know, I, this amazing story and everything, but I don't know who it was. And, well, fast forward two weeks and someone comes to my house and shares with me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what all that is and, and leads me into that and we step into that and he says, well, I have this friend in Pennsylvania that you should talk to. And so he puts me on the phone with someone that was attending Church of the Word. And that person says, oh, my pastor's really anointed. He's talking about Dale. He says, you should listen to his sermons. So I go, here's our website. And so I go onto the website and begin to listen to sermons. And maybe about the third or fourth sermon that I listened to had the exact same testimonies and everything in it that I had heard on the radio. Oh, this is that guy. Couldn't believe it. I was blown away, right? And long story short, um, obviously the Lord has hooked us together has brought us together. He did a supernatural thing. You know, later when we met in person and he asked me one day, so how did you ever hear about us for the first time? And I tell him the story. I heard him on the radio. And he goes, that was when? I said, 2008. He's like, well, I haven't been on the radio since 1987. And so we realized how supernatural this really was. But I say all of that to say this. I climbed out of the car and just said something. And the Lord was listening. So... Is the Lord listening to you? What are you saying? It better be what you want to actually end up in. Because what if I'd have got out and said, boy, I would never want to do anything like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'd probably still be in Colorado. Thank God that he's able to reach us. You know, Psalms 89 says this, I will not violate my covenant or change what my lips have said. I will not violate my covenant or change what my words are. Or let's say it a different way, I will not violate, some translations say it this way, I will not violate my covenant by changing what I've said. It's a big deal to the Lord that He hold covenant and that what He said will hold water and it'll be true and stay true. It's a big deal, so big of a deal that it says God cannot lie. Why does it say God can't lie? There's not many things God can't do, but that's one of them. 
Because if God said something different and lied, it'd just automatically be that way. Right? It's impossible for him to lie. Because if he's like, ah, people don't exist, poof, they didn't exist anymore. <laughs> That's why he can't lie. It'll come to pass. And he made us in his image to be like him. He said we're to be imitators of him. Jesus, he spoke to things. He spoke to wind and waves. He spoke to demons. He spoke to fevers. He spoke to trees. Shoot, he even spoke to dead people. I mean, they responded. They came to life. But he used his words, and he said that greater things than these will you do. Greater. Not a shadow of. Greater than these things will you do. Okay, I am going to save this other for another. Let's do this. Psalms 107, verse... I'm, well, let's, we're going to make those declarations again here in a little bit that we did the other day. So you can get those ready for the uh, overhead. And worship team, you can come and, and uh, take your place on, on the platform. In Psalms 107, and verses 1 and 2, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord think so. Say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord email it to each other. Would there be something wrong with that? No. Would there be something wrong with you thinking it? No. But there's a reason we're to say it. Did you know that psychologically, you, don't need, you can be a complete heathen and it'll still work for you. Psychologically, when you say things out of your mouth, it programs your spirit to accept it. It programs your spirit to accept it. Now, when you couple that natural fact with the supernatural power of God in His words, now is when you see Miracles happen and the supernatural take place. But psychologically, you, you cannot even be, you can believe in Muhammad or anyone else for that matter. And this fact is still true for you. That when you say something, it programs your spirit, human spirit to accept it. When it hears it. It's why faith comes by hearing. That when it comes in to, through your ear gate, Right? When it comes through your ear gate and you hear it, or we could just say, if we're going to talk in Bible language, we'd say heart. It programs your heart to accept it. <laughs> this works for you. It does not work for someone else unless they believe it or agree with it. In other words, you can't say, Pastor likes broccoli. It's not going to make me like broccoli unless I agree with you. And go, yeah. That's true. Now, it opens me up to begin liking it. So we're not talking some sort of witchcraft here where you're using your words to manipulate people's free will. You can present them with truth. You can make declarations, but they still have a, have a free choice. Alright, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble. When you say something out of your mouth, what I said is it's a natural fact. 
we couple it with a supernatural reality. But in the natural, if you say, I can't do that, you immediately make yourself more closed off to that. When you say, I can do that, you immediately increase your, the probability of you doing it. Let's put it that way. That's all just natural. Not hocus-pocus stuff, just this is how people work. This is why when, if you say a bunch of death things over a child, like you'll never amount to anything, if they agree with it, it has lasting damaging effects on them. So this is why it's important that we open up our mouth and use the victory tool that the Lord has given to us to not only declare things, confessions unto faith, but declare them from faith. Do you, does everyone here believe that the Word of God is true and will work for you? Okay, so when we say these confessions, you say it because you believe it. This is true for me. And we'll say them in a personalized way. It takes, uh, takes about 13 minutes, but if we go a little faster, it'll take 10 minutes. How do I know? Because I've been doing it in my office by myself, and it takes me 10 minutes. All right, stand with me. Sometimes things, if you're able, if you need to sit, you go right ahead and sit. But if someone behind you is sitting, make sure they can see the screen in front of you. So you might want to check behind you to make sure. If you need to, step out in the aisle and then the person sitting can see. But I find that when I stand up, it just means a little bit more. Alright, let's say this together. I carry the power of life and death in my tongue and I love it. My tongue is set apart to bless and for God's life-giving purposes. Jesus Christ is my Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead and that He now lives as my high priest to make intercession for me. Therefore, I approach the throne of grace with boldness, and I receive mercy and find grace to help me anytime I need it. I am a part of the body of Christ, and Satan has no power over me. I overcome evil with good. I am of God and overcome the evil one, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fear no evil, for you, Lord, are with me. Your word and your spirit, they comfort me. I am far from oppression, and fear does not come near me. Because I am established in righteousness, no weapon formed against me will succeed, for my righteousness is of the Lord. Whatever I do will prosper, because I am like a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. I am delivered from this present evil age, according to the will of my God and Father. No evil will overtake me, nor will any plague come near my home. The Lord has commanded His angels to protect me in all my ways, and in my pathway is life, and there is no death. Jesus Christ has given me the authority to trample on demonic spirits and their dominions. Nothing can ever harm me in any way. I search for and discover the wisdom and understanding of God. His wisdom gives me long life, riches, and honor. My ways are pleasant, and my paths are peaceful, and I am blessed in my deeds. I hear and obey the Word of God. I am happy in whatever I do, because I am a doer of the Word of God. 
My faith is a shield all around me, and with it I cancel every flaming arrow of evil that comes against me. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore, I forbid any sickness or disease to come on my body. Every disease, germ, and every virus that touches my body dies instantly in the name of Jesus. Every cell and every organ in my body operates perfectly the way God created it to operate, and I forbid any malfunction in my body in the name of Jesus Christ. I am in Christ Jesus, and the law of the Spirit of life has completely set me free and exempted me from the law of sin and death. This includes condemnation, fear, sickness, and poverty. The law of life works mightily in me. I am an overcomer, and I overcome the evil one by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I do not fear death because death has no place in me. I am submitted to God, and the devil flees from me. I resist him in the identity of Jesus Christ. The word of God is forever settled in heaven, and he watches over his word to accomplish it. Therefore, his word is in my mouth and in my heart, and I proclaim his word upon this earth. My children are taught of the Lord, and they are blessed with peaceful prosperity. I give my body to God as a living sacrifice. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in me. I am not my own. I was purchased by the life and blood of Jesus. Therefore, in his identity, I refuse to overeat or become addicted to anything. Body, you will obey me in the name of Jesus and yield to the word of God. I consider the desires of my flesh to be dead. And I present my body set apart, holy, and pleasing to the Lord. I've been raised with Christ, and I stay hidden in Him, and my mind is set on things above. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed me from poverty. Christ has redeemed me from sickness. Christ has redeemed me from calamity. Christ has redeemed me from spiritual death. In the place of poverty, He has given me wealth. For sickness, He has given me health. For death, He has given me eternal life. I am revived according to the Word of God, and I am strong. God forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from the pit. He crowns me with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies me with goodness and renews me to youthfulness. Jesus Christ bore my sickness and carried my pains. He paid my debt of sin, and by His wounds I was healed. I am the healed of the Lord. I delight in the Lord, and He gives me the desires of my heart. I am convinced that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I am a giver, and as I give, it is also given to me in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. It is poured into my lap. With the measure I use, it is measured back to me. I sow generously, therefore I reap generously. I give cheerfully, which my God loves. And He makes all grace overflow toward me, so that in all things, at all times, having all that I need, I do overflow in all good works. The Lord is my good shepherd, and I do not lack. 
He supplies all of my needs according to His unending riches in glory. Jesus was made poor so that through His poverty I might be made rich. Jesus was made sin so that I could be made righteous in Him. He came so that I could have life and have it more abundantly. Because I have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, I reign as a king in life by the one Jesus Christ. The Lord takes pleasure in my peace-filled, all-encompassing prosperity because I am His child and Abraham's blessings are mine. The Spirit of truth lives in me and teaches me all things. He guides me into all truth and I confess that I have perfect knowledge regarding any situation that I encounter and I have the wisdom of God on the inside of me. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, and I do not rely on my own understanding. In all my ways, I know the Lord, and He makes my paths straight. The Lord will accomplish His purposes in and through me. I let the Word of Christ live richly in me, which makes all wisdom available to me. I follow the Good Shepherd because I know His voice. I do not listen to or follow the voice of a stranger. Jesus was made for me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. I have the wisdom of God, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am filled with the knowledge of the Lord's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I am a new creation in Christ. I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ, and the wisdom of God is working mightily in me. I have been crucified with Christ and have put to death the old nature. And by faith, I have put on God's nature, which is Christ in me. I receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The eyes of my mind are enlightened. And I do not conform to this world. Instead, I am continually transformed by the renewing of my mind. My mind is renewed by the Word of God. I am increasing in the knowledge of God so that I bear fruit in every good work. I am strengthened with all power according to His glorious strength. Therefore, I have great endurance and patience. I am delivered from the authority of darkness and I've been transferred into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I am born of God, and I walk in victory, because I have world-conquering faith living in me. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The Lord is the strength of my life. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I deliberately think on whatever things are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and of a good report. I do not permit a rotten word to go out of my mouth. I speak only words that build others up and give grace to those who hear. I'll not grieve God's Holy Spirit, by whom I am sealed to the day of redemption. I speak the truth in love, and I grow up in all things into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is my head. The Word of God is truth. 
is the pen of a skillful writer, and grace flows from my lips. Let's stop right there for a moment. You need a break. You know, when we, uh, two weeks ago when we went through this back-to-back twice, how many of you, the second time through, went, we said that the first time through? I don't remember that part. Is there anyone? Let's see your hands. Yeah, a whole bunch of hands. Because uh, when I got home, we were talking about that. As like I, we, we both experienced that. <clears throat> All right, you ready to go again? Yeah. This one here, um, let's start again with the my tongue part. Um, this one here is one that I say before every sermon that I preach, every single time, have for years. I'll never stop. Let's say it again. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer, and grace flows from my lips. As for me, I am filled with the Spirit of the Lord, with power, justice, and the courage to tell the good news of salvation. No one can snatch me out of the Father's hand, because I have eternal life. The peace of God rules my heart, and I refuse to worry about anything. I intently fix my gaze on the living Word of God, because it is life to me. It is health and healing to my whole body. He sent His Word and healed me. God lives in me now, so who can stand against me? I believe His promises, which make me a partaker of His divine nature. He has given me everything required for life and godliness. Jesus has given me the keys to the kingdom of heaven and the authority to use His name. Anything I bind on earth is bound from heaven, and anything I loose on earth is loosed from heaven. Therefore, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind the rulers, the authorities, the world rulers of darkness of this age, and the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. They are now harmless and have no effect against me. I am filled with Him who is the head over every ruler and authority, I am His workmanship, created new in Christ Jesus for the good works which God prepared for me to do. I am a believer, and these signs do accompany me. In the name of Jesus, I cast out demons. I speak in new tongues. No devil can harm me. I lay hands on the sick, and they do recover. Okay, right now, what, what seemed right to me as we were speaking that out is when you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in tongues, it is speaking out the perfect will of God. Now, when we were at home group on Thursday night, for those who are at Kevin and Kelly's home group would probably know this, um, we had talked about praying the perfect will of God and how when you pray it, you're literally praying out what should happen, okay? And how praying in the Spirit doesn't always mean praying in tongues. This, what we just did, is a form of praying out the perfect will of God. So as you were, as you were speaking these things out, did anybody, just a, a show of hands here, just as encouragement, who here started getting some stuff from the Lord? Just different things in your life. Like for me, for instance, I started actually getting some answers to some things that I've been asking him, just bubbling up inside of me as I was speaking. Did anybody else experience that while they were? Okay. So when you confess that out, this is what made sense to me. As we're making these confessions, we're actually praying in the Spirit. And so if you have things that you've been seeking the Lord on, like for me, it's been a struggle for me over the past couple, I'd say probably about a month or so. And just tonight as we were doing this, I actually just got answers to prayers that I've been praying for a long time because I was confessing the Word of God out of my mouth 
And so just encouraging everyone here to do the same thing because it is literally the perfect will of God that we were just confessing. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Shane. something I wanted to share with everyone. Um, like a year and a half, two years ago, the Lord just brought something uh, to me that I needed to repent of. And it was something that I was saying. And the thing is, I was careful with what I was saying. It was something that I didn't even realize I was in agreement with the devil. And it was because there's these sayings that you learn from like this high. that You don't even realize why you're saying them. But it's, it's because it's, it's demonically inspired. And some of the things uh, just that come to mind were um, when you'd say something like, I've never broken a bone, but knock on wood. Like, these are sayings that, uh, what, is, what does that mean? It, it, it means that I'm afraid to say something good because by saying that, that means something bad's going to happen. Um, that means I'm going to break my bone when that's not true. Um, but the devil gets us to say these things that make it that we're afraid to say something good, or um, if you're gonna if you're gonna jinx something, it's the same same thing. Where you're afraid to say that something's going well, or that something good is going to happen because you're gonna cause something bad to happen. So it's something the Lord spoke to me that was very helpful. I didn't I didn't even realize it. So thank you, thank you for sharing. You can be seated if you'd like, or stand, it doesn't matter to me. One of, one of, when God spoke with Moses from the burning bush, right? When that bush is on fire, Moses sees the bush is on fire, but he sees the bush isn't burning up, it's just staying on fire. So he gets closer, and as he comes near it, he begins to have a conversation with the Lord. And the Lord gives him the commission to go back to Egypt and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he asks the question, he said, who should I say is sending me? And he said, the Lord responded with I am. That's who you tell him. I am sent you. I am. That's going to sound awfully weird for Moses to stand in front of Pharaoh and say, I am sent me. The who? I am. Yeah, you am what? But the great, there are a number of great I am's in Scripture that Jesus laid out when he taught. I am the light of the world. I am. He would say, I am. He was using God's language. Because if he lives on the inside of you like we claim he does, 
Too many times we're separating us from Him. And when we sing songs like some of the songs that we sang tonight, talking about even, even the statement in the one song about, I am enough. If you divorce yourself from God in that statement, yeah, it's just going to make a whole lot of problems like in your thinking. And, and it's not going to be working for you. But if you and God are one, if He lives on the inside of you and you've taken on His identity and His DNA, you can confidently say, I am. Because He is the M in you. Right? I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The I am is God in me. And there is a scripture we talked about one of the lines we sang was about being content. And thank you for doing that song tonight. That was awesome. The gyra. I love that. I, uh, in fact, in the shower tonight before I came to the service, I had that song jamming on my phone and was playing to it. So it's awesome. And just FYI, we don't talk about what they're playing. I don't tell them. I don't tell John what he should play. He doesn't ask me what he should play like from week to week to week to week. He just is spirit-led and I'm spirit-led and it's amazing how often it sounds, looks like we would have sat down and talked, right? But we, but we don't. <clears throat> There's a scripture that I want to read to you talking about provision and God is the I am and He's more than enough and all of these things. this line right here. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Most people in the English speaking world hear that this way. Godliness and just being happy or being able to be accepting of whatever situation I'm in and still choosing to be happy or joyful. That's not what that means at all in this circumstance. You can look up what the word means in the original. Here's what the word contentment means. Get ready to have your circuits just blown. The word contentment means self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. Now, there's not a man, woman, or child born on the planet today that's self-sufficient without the great I am in them. With Him in you, yeah, self-sufficiency for days. Right? With the great I am in you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With the great I am in you, see, if God is in you and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it's not looking at the size of your bank account. It's not looking at your past history. It's looking at who you are in Him and what you're able to do through Him. And when it says, I'm going to be content in any circumstance, say it a different way. Let's say it literal. Godliness with self-sufficiency is great gain. It's uniting you with Him. Anything is possible. Godliness with self-sufficiency, the great I am in me, I can do all things. Now, here's the, here's the wild part. You say, well, are you sure, Pastor? Yeah, I'm sure. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, 
we said this verse tonight. We, we personalized it when we declared it out. Um, this scripture is used many times in tithes and offerings. And it's this verse. God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything that you need, you may excel in every good work. The King James says it this way. Having all sufficiency. Same word. Godliness with all sufficiency. Self-sufficiency with Him in you. Stop divorcing yourself from God. That's why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It has nothing to do with my bank account because there's no number that can come against me that is enough for the great I am in me. Okay, stand with me again. I had to get that out. When you think of being content, well, I'm just going to be content with a little bit. That's great if you're hearing it the right way. Self-sufficiency in Him with godliness. I can do all things. Let's say that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And stop saying, I can't afford that. You say, well, I'm just, I'm just, I can't. Yeah, I know. You said it. Say, well, okay, so should I just go out and buy it on credit? No, no, you're, you're off in the weeds already. Start using your words to work for you. And instead of saying things like, I can't afford that, if you don't want to buy it right now, don't buy it. No, I don't want that right now. But I could buy it if I wanted to. If there's lack in your life, you don't talk the lack. You open up and say, God is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And be amazed at how quickly those words can come to work for you. And suddenly that thing arrives in your lap. And yeah, the number wasn't in your bank account. But come on, God's not limited to that way of getting it to you. There's a hundred ways to get it to you. God isn't limited to your resources. He's limited to your faith and to the words that you lay out in front of you. I'm going to say it again. God is not limited by your bank account or your job or your income. He is limited by what you say. In fact, in Psalms it says this. It says the children of Israel limited God by their unbelief. Because they said, Oh, we can't go into the land of Canaan. The giants are too big for us. See, they laid their words out in front of them and it worked for them exactly that way. Because after they decided to rebel and we're going in anyway, even though Moses says go back to the desert, well, they got whooped. They had to go back to the desert. They got what they said. I did not intend to preach the second message, but there you are. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Look at your neighbor and say, I can do all things that He requires of me.
All right, love on your neighbor as you go. Love on one another. everyone. Oh, everybody take a deep breath. I don't know what kind of day you've had, but we're in the house of the Lord with temples of God all around us, the temples of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I pray that our time together, you'll be revived and filled with the zeal of God. Amen. I believe it. Psalms 92. It's a wonderful psalm. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to his name. I declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of 10 strings, glory to God, and the, and the lute and the harp with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work, and I will triumph in the works of your hands. Now, listen to these next scriptures, because you're going to find yourself in them. The righteous, who's righteous here tonight? Was that every hand? Yes. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the, in the courts of God. They shall still bear fruit in older age. Glory to God. Did you hear I didn't say old? I said older age. Amen. They shall flourish in the courts of our God. Still bear fruit in older age. They shall be fresh, fresh, and flourishing. Amen. Glory to God. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Glory to God. See, the, the book is full of promises that are yes and amen. If we just believe them to be true. So if you're older in the house tonight... You can stand on these promises. You're going to bear fruit in your older age. You're going to continue to flourish like a palm tree in the courts of God. These are great promises to hold on to, aren't they? They're all yes and amen in the Lord. Are you ready to worship the Lord? You know, this whole time we're together, is, it's a position of worship. It's attending. It's attending with attention with your heart postured toward the Lord, to listen to his voice, to give him a gladness and a thankfulness out of your own heart for who he is, not just for what he's done. And he's done glorious things for each and every one of us. Why? Because he's good and he's faithful, isn't he? So let's all stand together tonight as a family of God that really loves one another. 
Father, we just come with great expectation tonight to hear your voice, to see your face, and to be touched by your Holy Spirit in this place. We're just attuned to you as our hearts are worshiping you this night together as family. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, the battle truly belongs to you, and it was won by your son, Jesus. He came upon the earth willingly and took upon a human body, bone and blood, and walked as a man for three and a half years. Jesus, we're so grateful that you did that. And you continued all the way to the cross, a horrific death where all the sins of humanity were placed upon you on that cross. And God the Father said, it is finished. The, sacrifice, the sacrificial offering was made, and it satisfied the Father's heart. So we can come boldly to the throne room of grace now because of the precious blood of Jesus. Our faith is in him. It's not in what we have done but in Jesus and what he has done. Father, thank you for the beautiful story of redemption that is given to whosoever who would believe on what Jesus did. They would not perish, but have everlasting life. The battle truly is done. Father, we're so grateful for tonight. We're grateful for the Holy Spirit here with us, the Prince of Peace his joy unspeakable full of glory we celebrate and honor you tonight we're just in tune to the flow of the spirit tonight as we're here we've come for that purpose to worship you in spirit and in truth we lay down our agendas our cares any burdens and we just embrace the love that you have for us tonight and the love that we have for one another because one way we do love one another is by love, by, one way we love the Lord is by loving one another. It's an expression, vertical and horizontal. Amen. I'm so glad we're all here together tonight. I already feel the presence of the Lord. It's so beautiful. It's so precious. He's so precious to each and every one of us. I don't take these moments for granted, not one second. I hope you don't either. So turn to your neighbor, walk around, just say hi to everybody. Ask them if there's anything they need, if they need a prayer or $20 bill or whatever it is. Just minister to one another. Let them know how much you love them. The battle belongs to you. The battle belongs. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to see so many people here tonight. Everybody's wanting to talk to each other. That's a good thing. We always like to see that. It's good to have family in the family of God, isn't it? All right. Well, we'd like to welcome you here. If you're here for the very first time, could you just wave your hand at us so we can recognize you, welcome you here tonight? Anyone's 
First time, right over here, welcome. We're so glad you're with us tonight. We trust you're gonna be blessed, amen. All right, well, we're gonna return the tithe to the Lord, so if you need a cash envelope, you can raise your hands. Uh, the ushers will bring one to you. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. And if you're giving by credit card, please fill out all of the blanks. And I'm just going to encourage you tonight in the area of finances. That's what the pastor asked me to do, is to give us some word, give us some encouragement in the area of finances. You know, that's something that reflects um, our life, our time, and our, it's an extension, you know, what we do, so it's an important thing. Well, how many know that God is good, and what he does is good, and he doesn't want you and I to lack any good thing? Everybody here agree with that? Amen. Religion sometimes has, in the past or current, tried to imply that there's some level of godliness and poverty or lack. I don't know if you've ever come up against that. I don't know what your upbringing is, but I know in my upbringing, we definitely had that going on. Some level of piety to be found in um, just barely making it and scraping by, you know, some holiness and that. Well, that's just a lie. It's just not so. You know, Jesus prayed, thy will be done, speaking of the Father's will, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how much poverty is in heaven? None. How much lack in heaven? None. So he's saying, have it be done on the earth the same way it's being done in heaven. That was what the Father was praying, or Jesus was praying to the Father. And Jesus also said that he came to bring good news to the poor. Well, what's good news to a poor person? More money. Yeah, you don't have to be poor. I mean, I've, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to have feel like there's a death grip around my neck and life just cost too much to live. So if, you know, good news to me at that time would have been like, you don't have to be like this. You don't have to live like this, which is exactly what, what happened in our lives at that time. You know, we came into the understanding that God doesn't want you to be poor. That's not his will for you. Well, glory to God. I don't have to live like this. You got to have an understanding, a revelation in your heart about that before God can do much else for you. Because if you're not sure if he wants you in lack, maybe this is God, maybe this isn't, you just got this blockage there. So it's really important that, that we understand that he's for you, and he doesn't want you to lack any good thing. How many know Third John verse 2, which says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So this is his heart. This is the Father's will. But never lose sight of the purpose. The purpose is so that we may abound in every good work. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says this, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that, here's the purpose, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, that's the purpose. So that you always, that you're about, that you have all that you need at all times in everything so that you can just flourish and abound in every good work. So if, you, if you're not ab abundantly blessed, then, you know, you might be able to, on occasion, do a little bit in good work. But that's different than what I just read here. Abounding in every good work. That's the purpose. Don't lose sight of that. 
Well, God's best, God's will doesn't just automatically happen. We've said that before, and I've been speaking the last several weeks on laws of increase. God has set up laws of prosperity, or laws that govern prosperity, I should say it that way. And we've talked about a different number of things. And last week I talked about wisdom, that wisdom is one major factor in you and I flourishing and walking in the abundance that God wants for us. Wisdom comes from the Lord. How many know in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says Jesus was made wisdom for us. Well, turn to Proverbs. I'm going to read a verse out of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 18. And wisdom is speaking here. It says, with me, with wisdom, are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. With me, in other words, when you see the wisdom of God in operation, you're going to see riches and honor. When you see uh, the wisdom of God working, you're going to see also with it enduring wealth. Prosperity, they go together. That's what this says here. Verse 19 says, My fruit, wisdom's fruit, is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. Basically, what that's saying is, is, you know, wisdom is better than just being handed money. You could win the lottery, and without wisdom operating in your life, it'll only be a matter of time till you're right back where you started. The wisdom is much more valuable. Wisdom has to do with skill and good sense. It's knowing what to do and when to do it and the right time to do it, all of that. So if, you just, if, you, if we will just read Proverbs, Proverbs is so full of wisdom. And in Proverbs, it gives us specifics on wisdom like uh, diligence, and good work ethic, and good management, and stewardship, you know, not being lazy, being able to delay gratification, self-control, all of these things. If we'll implement some of these things, the wisdom that you read and find in Proverbs, you and I will prosper, we'll flourish. There's just countless verses on this. What does it say in Proverbs? That wisdom is the principal thing, the chief thing. I mean, like, the first. It says, get it. Seek after it. Pursue it. It's really important. It's, it's just... Um, one of the things I wanted to bring out here is, you know, we talk a lot about giving. And don't misunderstand me. Giving is one of the most important things when it comes to prosperity. The word says, give and it shall be given. I mean, that is how it's going to be. But if we ignore these other laws of increase, these other laws of prosperity, you could be giving... And if you don't implement wisdom, if you don't implement these uh, things about diligence and, and other areas here, you know, you'll just have the numbers go up on both sides. Well, that's not prospering. That's just, you know, as, as you give, you're going to be given too. Well, then if you don't walk in wisdom, guess what? The other side's going up too. <laughs> that's not what we want. So there's more to you and I's prosperity than just giving. And, and I just wanted to bring that out because we talk a lot about giving, and it is an important aspect. As you sow, you reap. But you need to seek after wisdom. You need to get wisdom. You need to love wisdom. You need to be looking for wisdom in everything. And as we do that and as we obey him, because wisdom comes from him, 
He wants to instruct us. He wants to teach us the right way, the good way to go. So as we seek him, ask him, look for wisdom, he will tell us. And as we obey, we're going to prosper. It's the word. All right, take a hold of your tithe. And let's present that to the Lord. Father, we're so thankful to be here tonight. We just, we present our tithes to you, Lord, as part of our worship, as a part of honor to you. And we thank you for our jobs. We thank you for the resources that you give us and the way you've taken care of us so well. Lord, I'm asking you to expand us on the inside. I'm asking you to show us how to walk in wisdom, how to walk in these truths, and that we're very sensitive to your spirit, sensitive to your leading, so that we could be all and do all that you've created us to be and, and impact the kingdom on a greater level. So I just thank you that you help us in these ways and begin that even in our hearts tonight. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, and amen. The ushers can pass the baskets. And the people will give to the Lord. All right, ladies' night out is Monday, January, it says January 14th, but since it's the 16th, because that's tonight. So, ladies' night out, Monday, January 16th. Okay. All right, if you're planning to be a part of that, talk to Karen, and she will see that you're added to the list. We have men's group breakfast on Saturday, January 28th at 8 a.m. It's going to be at Shane Berger's home. You can get directions from either Shane or Josh, but let Josh or Shane know if you're planning to attend so they can have breakfast for you. And uh, we're going to pray over Eric. He's getting ready to go to join the Mirabella's team in Iraq, in Kurdistan, and... um, Tell us, I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell us a little bit about what you're going to do there, how long you'll be there, and when do you leave? So now, this Thursday, and I'll be there for a little over two months or something, um, just going over there to serve. I'm, they didn't tell me what I'm going to be doing, and I didn't specify anything. I just said I'm here to serve. So. All right, awesome. So are you expecting any good things to happen while you're there? I am. I'm hoping for some pretty exciting things. Okay. Absolutely. So um, what, what we're going to declare is several things. Is one that he will go and walk in peace and safety. That all of his needs in any situation that he would be in is, is, are met. Right? Anytime he needs it, it's met. And that uh, the Lord will bring him back to us. Now I know he has ideas about maybe staying, but he hasn't asked my permission yet. So... <laughs> So stretch your hands out to him and uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have placed the heart of a servant in this man of God. And we just bless him in the name of Jesus. And we call you the head and not the tail. That you will go and you will prosper and the favor of the Lord is going to be the mark on you, Eric. Thank you, Lord. I ask you specifically, Father, for safety, for divine appointments, that you give him the word to speak in the moment he needs it, that you give him discernment, that he would know 
what to do in any moment, any situation that he should find himself in. And I thank you for this. Lord, I thank you that you gift him with the ability to be a helper and to uh, assist them in the work of the Lord in Kurdistan. And I thank you for it. Thank you too, Lord, that every financial need for him is met. He has favor in the airlines, in his travels, in Jesus' name, and that you'll bring him back to us again. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. amen. Thank you. Glory to God. <clears throat>